Thank you, sir. Thank you. Good morning. Hey, first thing I'd like to get you to do, first thing I want you to do, look around you and find someone that's really good looking. Let's just start with that. Just go ahead. Just don't everybody look up here. Come on, there's other people. When you find someone, look right at them, tell them this, tell them the rest of your life. That was terrible. Absolutely. Look at, look at your second choice. Look over your second choice. No, point to yourself. Try this. Point to yourself. Say the rest of my life will be the best of my life. Now, I'm going to get you to say that as much as I can here in this service, because I believe what you continually hear, you'll eventually believe. The rest of your, how many believe the rest of your life really could be the best of your life? Yeah. Well, here's what the Bible says, John 10, 10, Jesus came that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. I like the way it says it in the Amplified Bible. I, I never used to read the Amplified Bible. I thought it was a girl Bible. But I like the, no, I did, because Joyce Meyer uses it all the time. So I, I thought, y'all heard of Joyce Meyer, got a little ministry trying to get going. Um, it, but the Amplified says in, in, that you might have and enjoy life. How many want to enjoy your life? I mean, not just when you get to heaven, but while you're here. For, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. says we're not only to enjoy the life that is to come, but to enjoy the life that now is. We can enjoy ourselves while we're while we're here. And, and I think life was meant to be enjoyed. It's like, it's like a gift. How many like getting gifts? How many like getting gifts? How many like giving gifts? Okay. And when you unwrap gifts, who are the people that just tear the paper off? You don't care. Let me see. Okay. Who are the careful people that take the paper off real slow? Cause you can reuse the paper, right? If you're, if you're good. I'm one of those just rips the paper off. I can't wait to get in there. And then here's this gift God picked out for us called life. What, what I love about this gift is God picked it out just for you. That's why none of us are alike. I can't be you. You can't be me. The other day, someone said, Dave, you and me, man, we are just alike. I said, you know, if you and me are just alike, one of us is unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going with you. No, none of us are alike. I mean, I, I can't be you. You can't be me. I could try to be Pastor Dwayne. How many are thankful for your pastors? How many are thankful for them? Man, what a, what a, let me just. Let me just say what an incredible honor it is for me to be with you guys this, this weekend and one of the greatest churches in America. How many love your church? How many are thankful for your church? And when you, when you travel around and speak, this is like, a, man, to get to come to Res Life is, is, is amazing. I've been waiting 46 years to get here. And uh, so I'm just, I'm just honored. But here's the thing. I, I love Pastor Dwayne. He's a great teacher and author and, and, and leader, but, but I can't be him. I could try to be him, and it could be a little intimidating even to have to get up here when he's sitting right there. You know, that's where you just got to know who you are. You got to unwrap. It's like two snakes are slithering down the road. One snake looked at the other snake, said, "Hey, are we poisonous?" Snake <laughs> said, "That's a weird question. Why would you ask me that?" He said, "Because I just bit my lip." <laughs> yeah, just got to know who you are. Is all I'm saying. So here's the thing. But I, I can't get up here. I can't be Pastor Dwayne. I got to be. I got to be me. I can't get up here and be Joyce Meyer or, jo or, or T.D. Jace. I can't be Joel Osteen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I love that. Every day's a Friday. You know, I, I, I love the other day someone introduced me. and said, what's Dave Martin like? Someone said, he's kind of a mixture between Joel Osteen and Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to look like. Just hold up your Bible with me and say, get her done. You know, I don't know what that is. But, uh, 
all I'm saying is you got to be you. You got to unwrap your gift. And here God gave us this gift. Could you imagine some of us just kind of go, well, I'll just try to get through life. And you just kind of set the gift over here. And, and it's kind of like, could you imagine giving someone a gift, maybe their birthday or their anniversary, and you picked out a gift just for them? Hey, how many know what I'm talking about? And you, you can't wait to give it to them because you had picked it out just for them. You're like, this is perfect. They're going to love it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you're like, here, open it. Wouldn't you hate it if they said, I'll open it later? You're like, no, no, I picked it out for you. Open it now. I want to see your face when you, and that's what God did. It, it's like, it's like a couple of Christmases ago. I got my mother-in-law a gift uh, for Christmas. I got her this, a cemetery plot. And, and so I, I uh, <laughs> sorry, it's my mother-in-law. Anyway, um, I didn't get her anything last year and she was all mad at me. You know, you didn't give me anything for Christmas this year. I'm like, you didn't even use what I got you. I'm just, I mean, when you get someone a gift, you know, you want them to, you want them to use it. And so, so here's this gift. I want to talk to you about how to unwrap it and, and make the most out of it. If you got your Bible, let me show you a couple of things. Hope you brought a pen and paper. I'm going to give you just a couple of things I think will, will help you. You know, we're talking about making the rest of our life the best of our life. And, uh, and I think not only that, but how many like the rest of your year to be the best of your year? How many, I mean, how many think God still could do some stuff this year? Yeah, I believe God still got some good. I believe God still does miracles. And I believe he's got some miracles. Oh, let me show you a picture of my, my wife and son. They're not with me, but I like to talk about them. And, and, uh, and, and so I'm going to show you a picture of, of them. I think they're going to put it up there. It's also good to have my nephews uh, here. It looked like I had a, brought a basketball team. It's just my nephews. They, they live here in, uh, in uh, well, now they're in college. One's at Western Michigan and one's at Michigan State. And so they're both in a good mood. Not neither one of them went to Michigan. Maybe a little depressed right now after yesterday. But uh, sorry, didn't mean to rub poor old, you know salt on the wound. But anyway, uh, it's good to have them hanging out with me today. And but this is my wife and son. My wife's the one on the right. Um, her name is Christine, and we just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary, 20 years. And and uh, it's funny. She she woke up on, on our anniversary morning. She goes, honey. You know, today's our anniversary. I said, I know. She said, I had a dream last night. You were going to give me a diamond necklace. She said, what do you think that means? I said, when you open your present, you're going to find out what it means. <laughs> she was all excited. She ripped the paper off that thing. I, I bought her this book on the meaning of dreams. Um, I hope that helped her. Anyway, that's, and then that's, my, that's my little boy, Solomon. And uh, Solomon just turned 11. And talk about miracles, believing in miracles, and, and God can still do some things. We prayed nine years, we believed for nine years before um, we finally, uh, my wife got pregnant with Solomon, believing for our uh, child, nine years. And then there he was. We were excited, man. We got our, our blessing, our, our miracle was here. And, and one of the, the first checkups, and, and she was going through, they said, it looks like your baby is in your uh, fallopian tube. We're going to have to go in and do surgery and remove the baby. This isn't, this isn't going to work. And, and uh, you know, we just begin to pray. We just begin to believe God. I still believe God could do some miracles. And, and, uh, and, and we did our part and, and, we, and let God do his part. We went in for the, the surgery. They had scheduled the surgery. Went in that day and they began to get everything ready. And they looked. They said, we, we're just checking over everything. It looks like someone's made a mistake. As we look again, your baby's in the womb right where he's supposed to be. Um, you know... They called it a mistake. We called it a miracle. And, uh, and nine months later, there he was. I mean, handsome. You see, you saw him. He was handsome, wasn't he? he looked, they say he looks a lot like me. 
But uh, uh, nine months came out perfect. I mean, he was born C-section. That was the only thing. I mean, other than that, you can't even tell from the pictures. Um, so anyway, he's, he's great. Only way you can really tell that he was C-section is whenever he leaves the house, he goes through the window. But other, other than that, he's totally normal. He's totally fine. So let me, let me give you a, a couple of things. So if we want the rest of our year to be the best of our year, that if, if, if God could still do some things, how many still got some things you'd like to see God do before this year's over? Let me see your hand one more. How many like to be happier the rest of this year? How many like to be healthier the rest of this year? How many like to have more love in your home the rest of this year? More joy, more peace. How many like to see more people get saved here at Res Life the rest of this year? Yeah, how many like to have more money the rest of this year? Wow, look at all you selfish people, just all <laughs> one more. Listen, the desire for more is not a wrong desire. It's not an evil desire. It's, it's a God desire. The very first command God gave humans was be fruitful and multiply. Multiply means to increase. So the first thing God said is, I want you to be more than you are right now. You can go to Psalms, what is it, 115, 14, or it says that the Lord will increase you more and more, you and your children. You can look in the New Testament, and God doesn't even like things that don't increase. I mean, it didn't matter if it was a fig tree that wasn't producing fruit or a man with one talent. If it wasn't becoming more, God wasn't happy. So God's desire is, is for us to be, uh, to increase, to, to see more. People say, well, I don't know about money. I mean, you mentioned that. I don't think you should really talk about that at church. I mean, that is the root of all evil, right? I mean, that's what the, well, that's not what the Bible says. Is it? it says the, right, the love of money. Money is the root of good vacations. So someone the other day said, you know, Dave, money's not the key to happiness. I'm like, that's true. But if you got enough money, maybe you could get a key made. Oh, no. No. Money's not even supposed to make you happy. You can read that in the, in the Bible. The Bible said in God's presence is where you find joy. It has nothing to do with money. All money is is a tool. That's really all it is. It isn't good or evil. It's just a tool. What you do with the money makes it good or evil, but money itself is just a, a tool. I mean, you can use it to build the kingdom of God. You can use it to build a church, to worship God, and you can use it to help missionaries go around the world like we're doing through a heart for the, uh, heart for the kingdom, or you can use it for your own selfish gain. You really have a choice whether to use your money, which is a tool for good or for evil. Uh, it's like a hammer. A hammer is a tool. A hammer is, is not good or evil. What I do with the hammer makes it good or evil. I can, use a, I can use a hammer and build a home to rescue girls from human trafficking. Man, I did something great. I'm going to help a lot of people. Same exact hammer I could hit someone with and hurt them really bad, even kill them. So the same tool, I have the choice to use it for good or use it for evil. How many does that make sense to you? And so here we are, we have this, this, these resources and we can use them to build God's house. Wouldn't it be amazing next week we have the opportunity and, and you look at, at over the last uh, uh, weeks and months, we've seen all the amazing things. How many are glad to be a part of a church that's touching the world and, 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 and impacting the kingdom? And that happens through our generosity. Next week we have an opportunity to do that in, in our Heart for the Kingdom offering. Wouldn't it be amazing uh, if, if it was just our, our best one yet? How many like to be able to go, hey, Pastor, you know what? Put me down for 100000 in that offering. How many, how many like, how many, it's just, it's not a pledge. I'm just asking right now. <laughs> People are all nervous. How many like to be able to do that? How many love to, how many like giving? Let me see your hand if you like giving. Most of us, we, we do. We kind of can't help it. It's just kind of the way God made us. For God so loved the world that he 
he gave. Yeah, he was, a, he was a giver, and he created us in his image. That's why most of us enjoy giving. We, we like giving, and, and I'd say most of us would probably like to be able to do more uh, than we, we do right now. Maybe we don't have it. We'd like to. So it's like I heard about a church, got a phone call, and the receptionist answered the phone. The guy said, I'd like to speak to the head hog at the trough. The lady said, excuse me, are you talking about our pastor? He said, yep, that's what I'm talking about, the head hog at the trough. She goes, that's rude. It's our pastor. We love him. We respect him. We don't talk about him. Can I help you with something? He said, yeah, I heard about the new building you guys just built up there at the church. I wanted to make a $100,000 donation. And the receptionist said, well, hold on. Let me see if Porky's in. (laughs) The more blessed you are, the greater blessing you can can be. And and just talking about blessings, it's it's like this, like a, a water pipe. The purpose of a water pipe is not to get wet. The purpose of a water pipe is to move water, right? It distributes water from one part of the building, one part of the city to another part of the city. The purpose is not to get wet. Now, in the process of of distributing water, how many know the pipe gets wet? It's not the purpose of the pipe. It's just part of the process. Same thing with the blessings of God. The purpose of God's blessings are not so I can get blessed, but they're so that I can be a blessing. In the process of being a blessing, I get blessed. God blesses us. But now I can be a greater blessing next time. Proverbs says it this way. It says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So the more blessed I am, the greater blessing I can be. And so I started looking for ways uh, to be a blessing. I mean, in, in every way. I mean, when we have a heart for the kingdom, offering, what can I do to advance the kingdom? It, whether it's buying a Starbucks for somebody. I mean, I just love being a blessing. The other day, uh, my son and I were at, at Taco Bell. And uh, we were sitting at Taco Bell, and we heard, overheard the lady next to us in the booth next to us. She was sitting with her little boy. He's maybe about 10 years old. They were discussing his birthday party, and he had a list of 12 friends he wanted to bring to the party. She said, you can only bring 10 friends to the party. He said, but I got 12 friends. She said, well, you can't bring all 12. You can only bring 10. I can only afford this many pizzas. There's this many slices per pizza. That's this many friends. And she's explaining to him the whole equation with the pizza. He's 10 years old. He don't understand pizza slices. He wants all of his friends to come to the party, and he's starting to get a little upset. Well, then she starts to get upset, because I'm sure as a mom, she wants him to be able to have all of his friends there. She just can't afford enough pizza. It's really about money. I'm overhearing the whole conversation. It was money was the problem. And I'm sitting right next to him, and I'm hearing the thing, and I'm thinking, I should really, I should do something about this. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. Uh, and and what, would a, what would a good Christian do if they heard about someone in need like this? And I, I, I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to pray for them. Isn't that what a good Christian would do? We'll be praying for you. Hope it works out. You know what amazes me? How often we pray about situations that God's already given us the ability to solve. I don't need to pray, Lord, multiply her pizza like you did the loaves and the fishes, that there will be enough for... Lord, let one of his friends move. That'd be 10 friends. That'd be 11 friends. Are you closer? I give a little wisdom, you know, cut those slices smaller, you get more. I remembered I had $100 in my pocket. Here's what I learned a long time ago. When God blesses you, he's got a lot more than you in mind. He blesses you so that you can be a blessing. It's the whole covenant that God made with us in Genesis 12. I will be blessed to be a blessing. When you understand that, when you really believe that, how many believe the Bible? How many believe the Bible? Okay, about half of you. 
But if you really believe that, that's what, that's what he said. We are blessed to be a blessing. I remembered I had $100 in my pocket. When God blesses you, he's got more than you in mind. I walked over the table. I said, excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt you guys. I wasn't, I wasn't eavesdropping on your conversation. I, 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 was, I was just listening to it. Um, I heard about the party. Look, here's $100. Invite those other two friends, and you guys have a blessed day. God bless you. And I just turned around and, and walked out because it wasn't about me. It wasn't like, here's $100. Here's my card. Check out my website. Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> It wasn't, a, by the way, you should totally follow me on Instagram. Just, just, but it wasn't about, I just turned around. She's like, who was that guy? And I'm sure she told her friends, I'm sitting in Taco Bell and this big, bald angel showed up with $100. But if you just remember, just say those words. Say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. If we just remember that, it's amazing what God could do in us and, and through us and, and as, we, as we have a real heart for the, the kingdom. And so I started thinking about this and, and looking at, at this and, and making the rest of my life the best of my life, the rest of my year the best of my year. And, and that sounds good and we shout that, but I mean, it doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. I mean, how many thought when you became a Christian, all of a sudden life would be perfect? Anybody? Be honest. Yeah. And how many found out by the time you got to say the parking lot? That's just not true. Life's not perfect. The Bible even promises us in John 16, in the world, you will have trials, tribulation, distress, frustration. You're going to go through things in life. That's just, it's what, it's what it says. It's like, um, it's like being on an airplane. Anybody ever been on an airplane and hit turbulence? Ever been on an okay, quite a few of you. What do you do when the airplane hit turbulence? What did you do? Pray? Someone prayed? Yeah. Buckled up, held on. Did anybody just get off the plane? I'm out. This is too much. I can't. You can't do that. You hold on. You buckle up. Same thing. Same thing in life. What happened? You ever hit turbulence in life? Things in life got a little bumpy. What'd you do? Pray. Hold on. Buckle up. You can't quit. Life's too tough. I'm. I'm out. You can't. You just can't give up like that. It's like I was sitting next to a lady on the plane. She'd never flown before, and so we talked for a few minutes. She was. I've never flown before. I'm like, don't worry. I'm on the plane. I fall asleep pretty quick. So the plane took off. I'd fallen asleep. About five minutes, I'm sound asleep. And uh, about 20 minutes, we hit some turbulence. It started getting a little, little bumpy on the She starts hitting me. She goes, hey, 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 wake up. I'm like, huh? huh. She's like, do something. I said, what do you want me to do? She goes, I don't know. Aren't you like a preacher? So I'm like a preacher. I'm not like a pilot. She goes, I don't know. She goes, do something religious. <laughs> So I got up and took an offering. In the world you'll have, but it says right after that, you're going to have some trials, but it says, be of good cheer. Look, be of good cheer. He said, I've already overcome the world. I've deprived the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Here's what I love. There's a couple of scriptures I want to show you. Psalms 118 verse 24. It's a scripture you've heard before. It says, this is the day that the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. I love that. This is the day. He didn't say yesterday was the day I made. I hope you rejoiced. He didn't go, hey, tomorrow will be the day I make. Make plans now. No, he said, this is it. Today is really all you've got. You don't really even have a tomorrow. When you get to tomorrow, you're just going to rename it today. So you better make the most out of today. This is the day that the Lord has made. And he says, my choice to rejoice. It's my choice. I decided when I get up today, today's going to be a good day. 
I mean, you, yeah, everything just must be perfect for you. Well, of course not. Nothing's perfect for anybody. It's a choice. I decided today's going to be a good day. But someone said, don't you ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Someone asked me one time, I said, don't you ever wake up grumpy? I go, sometimes I wake up grumpy. You know, sometimes I let her sleep. But, uh, um, it's really just a choice, you know? And, and so I decided today's going to be a good day. So if today is going to be a good day, what, what are some of the ingredients to making today a good day? Let me give you three things real quick. Three things I think will help you make today a good day. Cause if you want to make the rest of your year, the best of your year or the rest of your life, the best of your life, it just starts with today. So what would be the ingredients to make today great? And, and if we're going to have a great day, you put God first. I mean, that's, of course, that's, that's uh, always. How many found out life just goes better when you put God first? Yeah. The Bible says it this way. When you plant yourself in God's house, your life will flourish. I love what Pastor was talking about on that video there about, about planting yourself, having a heart for the kingdom. When you plant yourself, you do things like show up. That's one of the things you do. Look, you're already on your way to planting yourself in God's house. Just by showing up today, you can walk out the doors and say, Father, I thank you this week. My life is going to flourish. My relationships are going to flourish. My health is going to flourish. My business is going to flourish. And then, and then he talked about getting planted by serving. There's always a place to serve. That's another way to plant yourself in God's house. Find a place to serve. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the leaders of this church. That's another way you can plant yourself. Be generous and faithful in your giving. That's another way to plant yourself. I learned about tithing offering growing up, tithing offering. Well, you better pay your tithe or God will kill you. That's kind of how we, we didn't learn the joy of giving like you learn here and just spirit of generosity. It was like to us, we went to kids' church as kids. They taught us songs, you know, God will, God will take it out of your hide if you don't pay your tithe. You know, we were scared. Like to us, God was like the godfather of the mafia and tithe was like protection money. Just... Give God his money. He won't break your legs. You know, we didn't learn the joy of, 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 of giving. It was like, could you pass the money test? We thought it was all about money. If you really understand giving, it really has nothing to do with money anyway. It's, it's not a money test. It's really a trust test. That's really all giving is just saying, God, I trust you. I mean, we either, we either trust them or we don't. And so, so, so I, I started looking at, at this and, and just kind of breaking it down into to really how to make the most out of a, out of a day. Let me give you three ingredients I found that'll, that'll help you. And, and by the way, tonight we're going to get into this a little bit, a little bit deeper. If you can um, rearrange your plans or, or change your schedule. Tonight's not for everybody, but um, how, many, how many really want the rest of your year to be the best of your year? Let me see your hand. Okay, you're the only ones that should probably come back for tonight. Um, if, 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 if not, you can stay home and watch football or something. But if you really want life to get better, I would encourage you to rearrange your plans. Get back here at, at 5.30. Invest an hour, hour and a half in yourself. We're going to get into some principles. There's a big difference between the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. The person of Jesus prepares you for heaven. The principles of Jesus prepare you for earth. There's a big difference. And there, there are ungodly people who will use godly principles to achieve ungodly results while the church don't know the principles or don't understand the principles and wonder why we struggle yet the principles are there. So tonight I'm gonna to get into some of those principles and, and help you. How many have ever made a bad decision? How many like to know how to make right decisions all the time? Yeah, we're gonna talk about that a, a little bit uh, tonight because one bad decision can mess up a lot of stuff. We've all made mistakes. I wrote a, a, a little book called Another Shot. It's all about coming back from setbacks 
in life, and, and we all make mistakes, but how do you make decisions that get you in the right direction? I love what uh, Evander Holyfield, the, the boxer, there's a quote on the, uh, on the, the book uh, that he put, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this because I want to tell you what this quote says, not because I'm just trying to, like, I know Evander Holyfield, I'm trying to drop names like he wrote something on my book. That's not what I'm, I'm not a name dropper, I'm just trying to tell you what the five-time heavyweight champion of the world said about, <laughs> seriously, seriously, if anything I've learned from spending time with Oprah, it's that... Um, <laughs> that you shouldn't drop names. But he said, it's not, getting, it's not getting knocked down that makes you lose the fight. It's not getting back up. We all get knocked down. How do you get back up? We're going to get into some of that kind of stuff uh, uh, tonight. So if you can, change your plans. Get back here. I promise you it'll be well worth your investment. I, I believe it could be a real pivotal uh, point in, in, in a place. So how many like to be doing better than you're doing right now? Okay. If you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, it just means there's something you don't know. The difference between where you are and where you want to be is, is what you know. And that's where the value of principles and wisdom come in. And that's one of my favorite things to talk about. But let me give you three things. Just write these three things down. And we'll get a little deeper into this tonight. Number one, you want to make today great. Number one, you got to own your day. Number one, you got to own your day. Your day is your responsibility. As long as you blame everyone else. How many know someone who always has excuses? Don't point at them if they're with you, but it's always someone else's fault that they're not doing well. They haven't done this. It, it's, it's my wife's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's the government's fault. You could always blame someone else. It's always someone else's fault. It's, it's the president's fault. It's always someone you could blame. So my, my little boy, he likes to tell jokes. I was telling pastor this one earlier that my son told me the other day. And he, he said that, he said, what would happen if someone pulled a gun? Uh, what would the secret service say if someone pulled a gun on Donald Trump? I said, I, I don't know. He said, they'd say, Donald Duck. <laughs> anyway, it's an 11-year-old joke. So I'm, anyway, so, so if I own my day, that means, that means I've got to take responsibility for my day. My day is my responsibility. And we can always have excuses. You can live your life as a victim or you can decide instead to, to, to make a difference. And I, and I listen, I know life circumstances may have been difficult and times may have been hard. And sometimes you don't have any control over the circumstances uh, that happen to you, yet you have to learn to master them or else you'll spend your whole life being controlled by your past. And like I said, sometimes it's our own decisions that got us in that place. But if we don't make the choices, I, I, my doctor said, Dave, you need to lose 25 pounds. Well, that, that's Krispy Kreme's fault. It's not my fault. They made those donuts so good. When, y'all, y'all have Krispy Kreme here? And, and, when the red light flashes? How many know what I'm talking about? When that red light, when they're hot, the flames of hell. That red light is the... But my decision yesterday to eat the donut got me the place I am today, 25 pounds overweight. So I could say, well, it's Krispy Kreme's fault that I gained this weight. So I'm going I'm to try to lose some. I was, I was trying really hard. And then I saw this T-shirt the other day. said, fat people are harder to kidnap. I was like, I got to protect myself. You know, it's, it'd be dangerous. It ain't dangerous out there. But, but here's, here's the thing. We could always have excuses or we could choose to, to own own our day. We can say, hey, look, heart for the world, that's awesome. Everyone's going to give. Or we can choose to, to take responsibility. What's my part in, in us reaching the gospel? What, what, with people with the gospel, what, what's my part? Well, the Bible says, what's a, a soul worth? To God, it was worth his only son. It's worth his very best. When you think about the souls, the lives are going to be changed. Where there is no vision, people perish. 
You think about the vision of this house, and we've heard of all the amazing things we just saw today at the, the Dream Center and all, and that's one little thing of all the amazing things. Last weekend, we, we heard about uh, all in Mexico and Cuba and all those amazing things that are happening. And what is one soul worth? Well, I don't know. What are you willing to sacrifice yourself? God sacrificed his son. What am I willing to give? Maybe it's 500, maybe it's 5,000, but what, what do I want to do to see a life change? I got I to gotta have my responsibility. This is my house. So what am I, what's my heart for the kingdom saying? And so you got to own, you own your day. And like I said, we'll, we'll look at circumstances, situations. We can see them totally different. You see them one way, I see them completely different. But, but until I'm willing to own my day, when you own your day, you got to own your words. You got to own your words. You got to own your thoughts. There's so much to that understanding. But my day is my responsibility. You want to make today great? Number one, start by owning your day. Number two, you got to order your day. Number two, you got to order your day. We'll talk about this a little more tonight. But has anybody ever straightened up the shoes in your closet and felt like you could conquer the world? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you straighten up your garage. You're like, what else can I do? All of a sudden, you feel like you can do anything because you begin to create order. God is a God of order. That's why you feel good when you put things in order, because it's, it's a godly thing that you're doing. Sequence matters. We'll talk a little bit about, about some of that, but I try to order my day. I got to have a plan for where I'm going. It's like this. I can go over here to the airport. There's planes flying all over the place, but until I decide where I want to go, I'm still going to be at the airport. They don't sell me my ticket based on where I'm at. They sell me my ticket based on where I'm going. So the first thing you got to know, you don't like where you're at. Where, do you, where would you rather be? Most everyone in here lifted your hand. I'd like to be doing better than I'm doing right now. So, so what's the order of your day? When I order my day, here's some simple things. I try to, uh, I, I try to, um, uh, I try to spend time with God every day. Of course, first thing I want to do is I want to read the word. I want to find out what God says. I mean, that's one of the pillars of our church here is, is the word. And so I want to know, I want to know what God's word says about my day. It's like, it's my map for the day. It's a, a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. It's, it's, and, and so when I begin to, it's like this, you wouldn't go on a trip and read the map when you get home, right? You read the map before you go on the trip and, and it's the same thing. The word is your map. It leads you to the, where you're, you're going. So I want to, I want to know what God's word says. I want to, I want to learn something every day. I try to learn something every day. If you want tomorrow to be different than today, you got to learn something today in order to make tomorrow different. So if the rest of this year is going to be different than the first part of the year, what am I going to learn different? That's what we're going to talk about later. I'm going to learn something that's going to make tomorrow better than, than today. I try to learn something uh, every day. Sometimes it's little things. I, I was signing books after the, uh, the last service. I learned a new way to spell a name. You know, like Amy. There's like five ways to spell Amy. Kathy. There's like a few ways to spell Kathy. K's or C's or Y's or I's. I mean, I always learn a new way. There was a new girl at Starbucks and I just messed with her. She had a little badge on said trainee. And I was like, that's funny. You know, your mom named you trainee. <laughs> she looked at me. She said, it's Trinae. <laughs> I had no idea. You see what I'm saying? There's always something you can learn. There's always something you can learn. And so, so you want to order, you order your day. I, I try to rest every day. So then the, the last thing, the last thing I love this one is occupy your day. Occupy your day. Uh, num number one, what was number one again? Own your day. Your day is your responsibility. Number two was order your day. And that's understanding the principles to put a plan, an order into where you're, where you're going in, in life. And, and the Bible is full of help us to do that. Like I said, we'll talk more about that. And then last is occupy your day. I looked up the word occupy. Occupy means to be all there. Wherever you're at, be all there. 
Don't just watch the parade, join the parade. We could come in here and look at all the amazing things that God's doing through our church. We can say, oh, that's great, and we can watch it all happen. Or we can be a part, we can get planted, we can find a place to serve, we can find a place to get involved, we can show up, we can be generous with our, with our, our giving. And, and like I said, most of us said we like giving, we'd like to give more than we give right now. And I'll never forget the first time we had an opportunity. Now I learned tithing and I was a, a tither and I was faithful in, in, the, in that 10% part. And, but then I, I learned about opportunities over and above that to be generous. And a real heart of generosity, where, where your heart really came out to, to give, like kind of what we're talking about next week, heart for the, the kingdom. I'll never forget our church. This was 20 years ago. My wife and I lived in, we just got married. We lived in a little government uh, uh, section eight housing, they call it, government assisted housing. We, we were just starting out, had a little bed, didn't have a bed, had a little air mattress, didn't have a dining room table and chairs, just starting. Dave Martin, international. <laughs> People laughed, it's like, international, where y'all been? We, we, we never been anywhere, but... Oh, uh, we, we had a dream. And uh, it's a small ministry. I did everything. I answered my own phones. I'm like, Dave Martin International. <laughs> Can I speak with Dave? Uh, one moment, please. <clears throat> Hello? Is it, your staff is so efficient. Trained to myself. You know, uh, but in that little apartment, I'll never forget one day, we were at our church, and our church was having a heart for the kingdom type offering, and, and uh, to, to, to really reach out beyond our four walls and touch lives around the world. And, and, and like I said, where there is no vision, people perish. You think about the vision of this house, and we could go through this room and find couples whose marriages have been restored because of the vision, whose lives have been changed because of the vision, who got saved right here because of the vision of this house thousands of lives around the world and in this room have not perished. But you know, you can also flip that around to say, where there are no people, the vision will perish. That's where you and I come in. What's our part in making sure that the vision is accelerated to go forth what God puts in, in pastor and the team's heart. And so our church was doing this and here we were, I was so excited as our first one. And, 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 and like I said, we live in this little apartment. All of a sudden, the preacher's got up, he's out asking people to be a part of this. And, and he said, there's several people here. You could do at least $500 in this, in this offering. I remember him saying that. I remember sitting on the second row over there thinking $500, that's crazy. I hope God speaks to them people. I didn't want to be one, just whoever they were. I was hoping God talked to them. All of a sudden, I felt like God said, you're one of them. Give 500. I said, oh, shoot. Started reaching for my wallet. About the time I did, the guy next to me said, I'm one of them. I said, whew, I guess I overheard God talking to him. <laughs> I just put my wallet back in my pocket. <laughs> All of a sudden, my wife leaned over and says, God telling you anything? I said, I don't know. Is he telling you anything? She said, I think we're supposed to give 500. I said, oh. <laughs> Remember, I got my wallet back out. I got the envelope. I started to fill out the envelope, and ink was smearing from the tears. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> Whatever. He also loves uncheerful givers, right? He loves everybody. I tell you this, though. If you're happy every time you give, you probably don't give a lot. <laughs> a lot of times I haven't been happy. That day I had $503 in my checkbook. When you have $503 and God wants 500 of it, willing, yes. Obedient, fine. Happy, no. no. no I'm not happy at all, but I'm, I'm obedient, so I'm writing out the check. And people are like, you shouldn't cry when you give to God. I said, I'm not, I'm just watering my seed. Just watering my seed. <laughs> 
brought him a seed. And, and I remember I gave that, that 500. It was everything, everything I had. But here's what I did learn that day. When God speaks to you about a seed, he's got a harvest on his mind. God was already thinking about how he's going to bless me. And as I put first the kingdom, he added everything else unto me. And I remember him saying this, if the scripture in Ephesians 6, 8, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. He said, what you make happen for my house, I'll make happen for your house. And I'm thinking, we live in an apartment. We don't even have a house. But 20 years ago, we decided to put God's kingdom first to really have a heart for the kingdom. And we began to be generous at whatever level, above our tithe. Every time we had an opportunity, the next year, I'll never forget, they were taking up that offering the next year, and I had an opportunity. And, and that year, we gave $1,000. It's like, it's like this. I'll close with this. If you want a muscle to grow, what do you do? Exercise it. You work it out. And, and, and my goal one day, I set a goal one day, I wanted to give $100,000. I wanted to give $100,000. And so I remember I had a check written out to my church for $100,000. I'd see it. One day I'm going to give this check. I wrote void on the check in case, in case my pastor found it um, before I was ready. But uh, I just started with where I was at, 500. But if I'm going to get to 1,000, I got to work out, right? I got to work my muscles. So the next year was 1,000. The next year, uh, we gave $2,500. God just started blessing us. Every time we'd give, he'd bless us. We were able to give even greater the next time. It's like working out. I want to bench press 500 pounds. What do I start with? With whatever I can, maybe 100 pounds. I bench press 100 pounds until I got that down. Then what do I do? I add some weight on the end. I get it up to 150. Then I get it up to 200. So one day, I'm going to give 100,000. I'm just working my way up, 5,000. 10,000. I mean, one, one day I'm, I'm, I'm bench pressing 250. I bench press now around 3.30, 4 o'clock, right around that time. Um, get up every morning. I run around the block two or three times and, and I put the block back under my bed. But uh, uh, one day, one day I'm going to give 100. I'm just working my way up. I'll never forget. We were, our church was building a youth center, $3 million cash. They wanted to pay for it cash. And, uh, and we're sitting in service. My wife leans over and says, God wants us to, I feel like God wants us to give 25000 to the youth center. And, and I, I, I said, I, I don't feel that. I felt like giving 10000 to the youth center. Why? Because I had 10000 It's easy to give it if you got it. But it's that sacrifice. That 25000 was going to be a, a sacrifice. And, but, but I started thinking, my goodness, did God not sacrifice his very best for me. What about that sacrificial part of giving? And we, we, we stepped out in faith and we said, well, we're going we're gonna to do it. And if God will give it to us, we'll, we'll do it. He said he'd supply seed to the sower. We gave the 10,000 that day. And within just a, a few weeks, I don't even, can't even explain it, but God gave us the ability to be able to give the whole 25,000 because that's what he spoke to our heart to do. I would encourage you even in the next week here, as you're praying about next week, what would God have you do? What would God, if every one of us just, all, all you got to do is just obey God's voice. God knows what's on the other side of whatever he asks you to do. There's something on the other side. And all you got to do is just obey God's voice. And as you do that, and you're generous in your heart, and you sacrifice at whatever level you're at. Someone in here, $100 is going to be your sacrifice. Someone else, it may be $100,000. It was, it was years, several years before we were able to give hundred thousand. I never dreamed I'd even have a hundred thousand, let alone be able to, to give it for the kingdom of God. But I could tell you my, my story is we, in that little apartment, started to build God's house. Today, our, our home is totally paid for, debt-free. And, and, and I don't tell you that to impress you, 
But I tell you that to impress upon you that 20 years ago, we made a decision to have a heart for the kingdom, to put God's house first, and God has taken care of our house all along the way. I'd encourage you, be generous and watch what God will do. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. God, just one more time, say the rest of my year will be the best of my year. Let me just pray for you real quick. Tonight, I want to pray for you too about just some things you might be, some dreams and goals on your heart. So if, like I said, if you can't get back here to, tonight, we'll get into uh, to some more of that. But Father, I just thank you for this uh, church and all the, the amazing things that you're doing through our house. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, just real quick. I, I never want to close a service without giving people an opportunity to make sure that their heart and life is right with God. You know if that's you. You already know it in your, in your heart. I talked about living a God-first life. When life just goes better when you put God first. Maybe you're here and you've never made a decision to put God first. I want to give you that opportunity today to receive the gift He loved you so much that He gave. He gave His Son. Maybe you've never received that gift. I'd love to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer and receive that gift to put God first in your life. Maybe you're here and at some point you say, Dave, I've, at some point in my life I put God first, but you know what? Today, if I'm honest, God's not first place in my life today. When you pray that prayer, pray for me. I want to put God back where he belongs. Number one, first place in my life. If that's you and I count to three, I'm going to look one time across the room. If you say, Dave, when you pray that prayer, pray for me. Never made a decision to put God first or God's not first place right now. Maybe a job, a relationship, something has come before that relationship with God. You're ready to put him first. When I count to three, just lift your hand real quick before I pray this prayer. One, two, three. All across the room. Let me see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you in the balcony. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you over here. God bless you, sir. Thank you, young man. God bless you. God bless you in the back. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Father, I thank you for hands that were lifted all across the room today. Father, I thank you that you don't just give us a desire to change, but you give us the discipline to make the changes that we need to make. You don't condemn us, but you convict us and you show us those areas of our life. You said it's as, as simple as this. If we believe in our heart, say with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we'd be saved. I want everyone in the room just to say those words with me. Say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. You talk about a decision that'll make the rest of your life the best of your life putting God first. And I can't think of any greater place to grow in that journey than right here at, at Res Life. And Father, I thank you next week as you speak to our hearts throughout this week is what you would have us to do for your kingdom. Lord, we have a heart for your kingdom. We thank you that as you speak to us, we would be obedient. And Father, I thank you that it would be one of the greatest years yet. And Lord, we'd be able to do so much more and accomplish so much more and help so many more because of the generosity of your people to hear your voice. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.